You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. Give me a go, no, go for launch. Booster. Go. Retro. Go. Vital. We go fly. Guidance. Guidance, go. Surgeon. Go flight. Ecom. We're go flight. GNC. We're go. Telmuse. Go. Control. Go flight. Procedures. Go. Inco. Go. FAO. We are go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. Capcom. We're go flight. Launch control. This is Houston. We are go for launch. Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Charles Porterfield, and uh, hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again, oh yes, to the Now You Know show. And uh, this week, we have got a special show. Did you enjoy last week's show, minus the technical difficulties? Well, this week, we've got another great special show, minus technical difficulties in a little bit folks we're going to have on 
the one and only Catherine Ironwood of the Lucky Mojo Curio Company, our fine sponsors, and an, a founding member, in fact, the founding member of Air with us to discuss her brand new book that will be coming out at this year's Hoodoo Heritage Festival, this amazing book. It's all about medicinal herbs. You're going to hear about it all. Before we get into that, I have a few things to say, as always, right? The professor's always got to have a few things to say, otherwise he wouldn't be the professor. First of all, I want to say that uh, I want to give a very warm shout-out uh, and, and gracious thanks to Catherine Ironwood, Nagashiva Ironwood, and my own dear, sweet Frau Professor Christy Porterfield for all the amazing help and work that is going on right now, preparing the wonderful flyers that are going to be at the 2017 10th Annual Hoodoo Heritage Festival. And let me take a little moment and tell you about this. When you come to the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, if you've never been there before, and if you have, you will remember, each and every workshop, except our book workshops, has a wonderful little eight and a half by 11 flyer, double-sided, has information in four columns on both sides. And it tells you who, what the name of the workshop is, who's giving it, and it gives you all this wonderful information, some of which you will be hearing about participating in and doing during the workshop, and some that you won't. It's a take-home. You see, you get to take it home with you. And I want to stop for a moment here and, and say this. A lot of people don't understand what goes in to this business of ours. You know, we've talked about this here on the show a lot. We've talked about what does, you know, what do you do as a, a root worker, a conjure person, etc. And we've talked about that and we've talked about that. Let's now talk about an, an, another little level. Sometimes there are organizational get-togethers. There are meetings of things like uh, brotherhoods and sisterhoods put together of fellow workers. There are festivals. And everybody gets to come to this festival. It's a beautiful, bright, sunny day there in Forestville, California. And you get to see just all the charming, charming, charming things there. You get to see uh, the wonderful train set. You get to see all the beautiful plants and all the beautiful roses. Oh, these roses grow all the way up into the trees. And you get to go into the shop. You get to have a great time. You get to go into the tent and have these wonderful workshops given to you. But what you might not know is the work that goes in to putting one of these on. First of all, we have 12 we have 10 workshops and two opening ceremonies at every festival. And that means that a minimum, a minimum of 12 people are busily hunkered down as you and I are, are together here. As you're listening to the sound of my voice, preparing their workshops, preparing their opening ceremonies so that everything is just right to bring you the best. Meanwhile, 
employees of the church, the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, which along with Miss Robin York hosts this fantastic festival every year, are just diligently running around getting things ready, producing things, getting employees from the Lucky Mojo Curio Company donate their time to help as well, putting up tents, getting tables, getting sound systems, cooking two fantastic meals that you will have each day, then lunch free when you come to the festival. And meanwhile, myself, Catherine Ironwood, Troll Towelhead, and this year joined by Christy Porterfield are all hunkered down in the flyer workshop there, like 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 the, the shoemaker elves with our tiny little typesetting tools and our little character uh, spacing hammers and our little leading uh, uh, rulers and our calipers making these flyers so, look so good for you so that you will have that information and be able to take it home with you. And then, then, from time to time, these flyers are reprinted in what you may already know as the black folder, except in two years it's going to be coming out as the red folder. It'll be a brand new folder. Everything that's in the black folder, plus it will have all of the information from all of the workshops that took place since the black folder was published up until our very last our very last festival in 2019. So get there. Don't be square. Come. Enjoy yourself. Tickets are still available. Don't be late. We love to see you. Now, before we go over to the LMC Radio Newsroom and we talk a little bit about the news, I want to talk about a little something that's going on in our community. There's a big kerfuffle, okay, a big Michigan going on right now about should we be calling out people? When we see frauds and thieves and jokers and people just appropriating and lying and stealing, should we actually take to social media and should we gang up on them and, oh, doesn't it get violent? And, oh, oh, everybody's got hot into the calling. Wouldn't it be more peaceful for just to let it sit? All right. It is my hope that as a first-time listener or regular listeners of the Now You Know show, you have come to know or will come to know that my position is one of somewhere right in the damn middle. This idea of that we are somehow more spiritual, letting it go by not saying anything, that they'll weed themselves out, that it'll all take care of itself, you know, that that doesn't work that way. It doesn't work. It sounds great, and it makes you sound, oh, so spiritual. But it's bullshit. Let's call it what it is. It's bullshit. They won't weed themselves out. They'll burn down a place like junkies burning down a pharmacy. They'll run out of clients. They'll rob, cheat, and steal for tens upon tens of thousands of dollars. They'll destroy the reputation of traditional African traditional religions – non-African traditional religions, hoodoo, conjure, you name it, and then they'll move on to do some other thing. Now, 
That being said, nor am I a great believer of, hey, let's circle the wagons, get everybody together, get some pitchforks, and have us a necktie party. I have no desire to be a part of a mob. And the mob mentality doesn't work. You can't just say, hey, yeah, let's go get them and burn them out. That's that angry animal, you know, vicious monkey somewhere inside us that wants to just get with the crowd. Okay, but the crowd's not always right. So what I say we do is we this. When we see it, we call it out firmly, strongly, clearly. And then we encourage others to go and check it out themselves. Don't just take my word. Go and check it out for yourself. You cannot always trust in someone else telling you what's going on, except in one matter. You can trust the one and the only patchy fog to bring you the correct and accurate news. Let's go over now and hear what he's got to say. Good evening. This is Philip Fogg reading the news. Today is Thursday, April 27th, the 117th day of 2017. There are 55 days until summer begins and 248 days left in the year. The 29th and 30th will be auspicious days to bake, cut firewood, cut hair to increase growth, mow to increase growth, dig holes, wax floors, get married, start a diet to gain weight, and buy a home. During the 29th and 30th, plant seed beds and start flower gardens. You can plant tomatoes, beans, peppers, corn, cotton, and other above-ground crops on these most fruitful days. These will also be the best days for evening fishing. Today's highlight in history comes to us from 1973, when acting FBI Director L. Patrick Gray resigned after it was revealed that he had destroyed files removed from the safe of Watergate conspirator E. Howard Hunt. Also on this date, in 1521, Portuguese explorer Ferdinand Magellan was killed by natives in the Philippines. In 1777, the only land battle in Connecticut during the Revolutionary War, the Battle of Richfield, resulted in a limited British victory. In 1822, the 18th President of the United States, Ulysses S. Grant, was born in Point Pleasant, Ohio. In 1865, the steamer Sultana, carrying freed Union prisoners of war, exploded on the Mississippi River near Memphis, Tennessee. The death toll was estimated between 1,500 and 2,000 casualties. In 1925, the song, Yes, Sir, That's My Baby, by Walter Donaldson and Gus Kahn was published by Irving Berlin, Inc. in New York. In 1941, German forces occupied Athens during World War II. 
1982, the trial of John W. Hinckley Jr., who had shot four people, including President Ronald Reagan, began in Washington. The trial ended with Hinckley's acquittal by reason of insanity. In 1992, the new Federal Republic of Yugoslavia was proclaimed in Belgrade by the Republic of Serbia and its lone ally, Montenegro. Today's LMC birthday greetings go out to actress Anouk Ami, who is 85. Rock musician Jim Keltner is 75. Singer Anne Peebles is 70. Rock singer Kate Pearson of the B-52s is 69. Rhythm and blues singer Irby Morell of the Stylistics is 68. And actor Douglas Sheehan is also 68. Our thought for the day comes from Edward R. Morrow, American broadcast journalist, born 1908, died this date in 1965, who said, quote, Difficulty is the excuse history never accepts. We also want to send out a special air birthday greeting to Air member Chaz Bogan, who will be whose birthday is on the 30th of this month. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom, and we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the lucky numbers. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers. Yeah. We'll show for me. Numbers on the show for you and me. Superstition. Or even make me suspicious. Table with 13 dishes. It will make me. That's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man. Well, okay, yeah. Put my trust in group of dust. Cause you know some days may bring you a seven. Or oh, maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, thank you, the in heaven. Lucky number for me, yeah. Oh, yes, and you need not just trust in Goofer Dust because we have the lucky numbers and the lucky card for you each and every week. This week's lucky numbers are brought to us as always from ProfessorPorterfield.com Why not stop on by there and take a look. And they are 27 35 38 42, 47, and 56. Once again, those numbers are 27, 35, 38, 42, 47, and 56. And I have to tell you that I am very relieved to see... For the last few weeks, we've had some very odd calculations on our numbers. Uh, much to the chagrin of many of us, there have been good numbers, but the way they've been coming is very, very strange. Perhaps to the numerous programs going on, who can say? But these numbers this week begin to start to make sense again. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 121. That's 121. 
725, that's 725, and 834, that's 834. And I have to tell you that I have a particularly good feeling about 725, but 121 is a good, solid number. The card of the week this week is the Department of Redundancy Department. The card of the week is the Queen of Diamonds, the mistress, sensual, sexual woman. Uh, This week brings amorous, sexual, and sensual feelings. This is a good week for love affairs, illicit meetings, and gatherings, and sensual times. However, be careful to not let debauchery lead to destruction. Or Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and card when they first come out. And if you hit, remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, from the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texans, our own Miss Loretta with Cooking with Miss Loretta. recipe to share with you tonight. This recipe comes to us from Miss Catherine Ironwood, who's going to be on the show with the professor a little later on, and it's also available in her amazing book, This Amazing Book. And this is a recipe that is a little different. Normally, we talk just about food. But tonight we're going to talk about food that also works as a nice medicine for you. And so it is my very great pleasure. I'm nervous as a cat, y'all. I've never done read anything from this cat before to give you this evening Althea's hot lemon and chicken soup for colds. Now, the ingredients that you're going to need for this are as follows. You will need one cup of water, one-fourth a teaspoon chicken soup base, and Miss Cat recommends that you use the Better Than Bouillon brand of chicken soup base, one-eighth a teaspoon of miso soybean paste, one aje amarillo, powder, and the juice and pulp of one half of a lemon. Now, to make this, and it is just simplicity itself, to make this, you're going to do the following. To a cup of water, add one-fourth a teaspoon to the chicken soup base and 
one-eighth of your teaspoon of miso soybean paste. Heat it on your stove at high, and then add one-eighth a teaspoon of your aje amarillo powder. Remove from heat and add the juice and pulp of one-half of your lemon. Now, this is good for sore throats, colds, a stuffy head, all sorts of things like that. And what you do with it after it's been cooked up on the stove is you give it to the patient or yourself and you give them a little glass or cup of cold water and allow them to dilute it with the cold water until it is at a taste and temperature that they find suitable to themselves. But they really want to drink this as hot and as undiluted as they can. But everyone is different. Now, for variety, you can also add orzo pasta or leftover cooked rice while the liquids are heating. And then you will remove it from the heat once it's cooked. And you can even add in some crumpled up tuna or abacore and the juice of that other half of your lemon and some fresh basil. And this then makes a lovely little meal. Now, of course, I know everybody's expecting this, so here we go. I've been looking at this recipe all week. And first of all, it sounds great. And I can tell just by what's in it that it's really going to work. But you have your initial recipe, one cup of water, etc. If you wanted to, you could take this and increase it. You see, you could increase it through the normal method of increasing or decreasing a recipe. And you could put all of this in a crock pot and set it on high not on low. You're going to set it on high and let it come up to heat. And then you could have it right there in your crock pot ready to scoop out your individual cup at a time and pass it around. I would advise that if you had, let's say you've got, like myself, when they were little, I had more than one child. And sometimes one would get the cold and then the next and the next and the next. And pretty soon, everybody but mama's down with the flu or the cold or the sore throat. You could make up a big crock pot of this. Keep it on high. Keep the lid on it. And when you needed it, you could go right in there and take it out as medicine and be giving it to them regularly, say, every so many hours throughout the day. And also, I can tell you, when you look at all these wonderful, you've got aje amarillo, you've got lemon, you've got miso, you've got chicken soup, I guarantee you that the smell of this in that crock pot is going to be a relief just to have wafting through the home. So there you go, folks. We want to thank Miss Cat for sharing this recipe with us, and I will be back next week with something new and hopefully delicious. Until then, bye-bye. And here we're going to turn it over to our own friend, Professor Porterfield. Thank you, uh, Miss Loretta. You know, this is an excellent recipe. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as uh, Miss Loretta says, 
you can tell just by just by looking at this uh, what's you know this is going to be good for you. This is really going to clear your head. And thank you, Miss Loretta, for expanding that so we can have a crockpot full of it. Up next, no professor pontification this week. Oh, no, no. Instead, we're going to have our good friend Catherine Ironwood in to talk about this amazing book and all things with medicinal herbs, recipes, and even more. That's right. So if you need to know where to find us, that's just just go down right here to the Now You Know show. Just, you know, turn left and then go straight on until you come to the Now You Know show. Not the drugstore. Not the drugstore. No, 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 no. The Now You Know show. Here on the LMC Radio Network. Not not Missouri Street. No, 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 no. If you ever have a heart attack 
Drop in and have a talk with Mr. Jack at the Dixie Drugstore down on Missouri Street. Oh, yes. Well, you know, tonight we have Miss Catherine Ironwood with us, and she was just in the green room here, which is actually our 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 broadcaster break room. And we have uh, brownies and hamantash and, and macaroons and cookies back there. And she brought uh, with her this evening uh, Troll Towelhead, our chief engineer. And so what we're going to do tonight, they got it first, folks. They got it first. But what we're going to do tonight in honor of our special guest is we're going to hand out the cookie to a new person. We're going to hand it out to Lena Albert. That it, because we did, in fact, just hear the Dixie Drugstore down on Missouri Street by Arnold and Irene Wiley. And that has got us in the mood to talk about, well, medicine. Uh, you know, that's what you get at the drugstore, along with a lot of other things back in the day. And so uh, I want to just say real quick, you know, uh, part of the reason I like this song, when when I was – young when i was young growing up in boyd texas i i never heard missouri or i only heard missouri okay i only heard missouri and i even knew some folks that said miami not miami uh you know miami so uh that's part of the reason i they, they say they say it in the song the way i remember it well i want to tell you premiering at the 2017 10th Annual Hoodoo Heritage Festival are going to be four fantastic books, and we're going to talk about one of them tonight. And that book is this amazing book. And here to talk with us about it is your friend and mine, Miss Catherine Ironwood. Good evening, Catherine. How are you? Hi, I'm very glad to be here. Well, we're very glad to have you. And uh, so, I, you know, a little bird told me uh, that you have been talking about this book this week all over the LMC radio. And we've been reaching just as many people as we could. And tonight, I'm hoping that we're going to get to touch on some of the, you know, the kind of things that we didn't touch on before. But first of them, just in case, just in case, you know how these things are. They go into the archives, and then in 50 years, we'll all be gone, and there'll be somebody with some sort of little uh, piece of glass in front of their eye with electrodes or something in it that runs images in front of them, and they'll find this buried somewhere, and they won't know a damn thing about it. So could you take a moment and tell us a little bit about, A, who is Catherine Ironwood, and B, what is this amazing book? Well, I am a, an old um, person who has been working in the fields of natural history and um, gardening, handicrafts, popular culture, comic books, uh, spirituality, magic, divination, and um, just about anything you can do to earn a living that doesn't involve working for corporate America. 
um, for all my life. Bookstores, you name it, I've done it all and still do. That's who I am. And you can find me um, on Facebook. I'm the only Catherine Ironwood on Facebook if you know how to spell my name. If you don't know how to spell my name, you're out of luck. Um, my name is pronounced Ironwood, not Yarnywood. Okay? Um, and uh, and uh, if you want to read more about me, uh, believe it or not, there's actually a Wikipedia article about me because whatever, I was famous long ago in the comic book field. So that's who I am. Now, uh, this amazing book, uh, this is from um, from my past. I, I've collected books on herbology and, and herbal medicine all my life, and I've made herbal um, medicines, salves, ointments, tea mixtures, and uh, poultices, and all, all types of things like that for many, many years. And I also was always interested in the magical uses of herbs. So I I published a book um, about 15 years ago called um, Hood Urban Root Magic. And this book uh, that I'm putting out now, this amazing book, is actually a little book I've had in my collection for a number of years. It's a tiny book. It's, uh, oh, I don't know, two and a half by three and a half inches. It's really small. It's typeset on a letterpress. In other words, all the letters were individual pieces of type that were pressed into the paper. And the type is tiny, small type. And it is the most amazing little, like a bullion cube. You just drop it into your mind and poof, it expands and it becomes a bigger book. And so I wanted to um, reprint it as a bigger book. And so I did so with the help of my husband, Nagashiva. We got some pictures together. We added some uh, more uh, text to even it out. And I added an introduction and uh, some recipes in the back and also some medical terminology about how you use herbs as medicine and and you know, what the parts of the body are and what can go wrong with it. Now, uh, in doing that, I also did some research on who had published this book, and I found pretty much not a lot. I found some ads for the book and for other things that this person had put out. I I know where they lived, in a little town called Ogama, Wisconsin. And I know they sold their herbs by mail order because in the original copy of the book, it told you where to send your money and that the herbs were 50 cents a packet and that they had all the herbs that were listed in the book, which was 350 different herbs. Now, that's quite a selection. So they were a regular little company, but they've um, disappeared. And uh, the book was good, and I wanted to bring it out. So the book happened to come out right around the year I was born. And uh, about 70 years ago. And so I wanted to um, bring it out for my 70th birthday. I'll be turning 70 on May 12th. So I figured, okay, May 13th, this is my birthday present to myself. 70 years old book will come out and be reprinted. So that's who I am and that's who this, what this book is. Well, first of all, I want to jump ahead of the crowd and and possibly get the honor of being the first person to wish you a happy birthday uh, oh, upcoming. And, uh, in fact, I will be in front of you when your birthday rolls around because I'll be out there in <laughs> California with you. And um, I, I, I want to tell you, when we sat down and, you know, every year we do this, we put out these books and we say, okay, we're going to uh, have the hosts in uh, – excuse me, we have the writers in – with our hosts and they're going to talk about their books. I, I, you know, I just so wanted to just jump to the front of the, the list. You know, I wanted to get there first, but okay. We all got to take turns. It's all good and kind, just like we were all taught in kindergarten. And I, I'll tell, I want to tell our listeners why, because each and every week 
here on the Now You Know show, folks, we have a little section called In the Kitchen. And I would say 90%, the lion's share of the information, 95% of the information that's in our In the Kitchen section each and every week, except for this week, comes from the book that Miss Catherine mentioned, Hoodoo, Herb, and Root Magic, A Materia Magica of African American Conjure. And Miss Cat has always been so very kind to allow its use in the Now You Know show. So when this book, you know, when I started seeing this book coming out, and I, and I had the luck of getting to be one of the proofreaders of this book, I said, I gotta have, I, we gotta have her on the show, right? We've gotta have you here. Because, unless I'm mistaken, this book serves as a companion, uh, one might say, to uh, Hoodoo Urban Root Magic. Is is that not correct? That that is correct. And um, I have been very pleased, happy, gratified, and thankful how much people have liked Hoodoo Urban Root Magic over the last fifteen years. We're in our eighth printing of it now. It's by far the most popular book um, I've ever put out in my life and that Lucky Mojo has put out. And um, it's going to keep on being reprinted. In that book, if you have uh, Hoodoo Urban Root Magic, you'll see there are little um, spaces where I will put in the medicinal use of such an herb, especially if the herb may be toxic or have some very notable medical use, I will put it in along with the magical use, such as don't eat this, right, because it's, it's a, a, a laxative, or don't, don't, uh, don't put this one on your skin, it'll burn your skin, you know, things like that, uh, just to help my magical friends uh, become familiar with the herbs and roots that they're using. However, this book is the opposite. This book is all the medical parts of, of the usages of these herbs, but every time an herb is mentioned that does have a link in Hooter Urban Root Magic, there's a little call-out at the bottom of the entry, and it will say, uh, just as an example, HHRM, page 63, and that's for calendula. And uh, then you can go to Hooter Urban Root Magic and see the magical use. Now, since we keep our books in print, there will come a time when we reprint Hooter Urban Root Magic again. And when we do it will magically, through the magic of typesetting, have added to it the call-outs to this book. So the two books will then function as cross-references. Also, my promise is that in 2019, when we run through the first edition of this book, this amazing book, it will come out in a matching size to Hoodoo Urban Root Magic. I will add many more recipes, and now you'll have two books that will actually match, and yes, there will be a hardcover copy, just as depicted on the paperback cover of this book. So that's my promise for what I'm doing for my 72nd birthday. So what it is, now you can look at it, and I'm going to give you just a, a quick example, because this is, um, you know, we all know what these herbs are used for in magic if we've been following along with the program, right? Most of us um, know this. Many do not. If you don't, you might want to get a copy of um, Hood Urban Root Magic. So this has an entry for something called Gallon Gal. Well, Gallon Gal is Alpinia, Chewing John, Court Case Root, Little John to Chew, Low John Root, Wild Ginger. And it's in the ginger family, and it's Alpinia galangal, or Alpinia officinarum. In 
Hood Urban Magic is listed as Little John to Chew because that's what most African-American people call it in the hoodoo magical community. But this book has it as gal and gal because it is used medically, and it says an aromatic stimulant. Well, if you looked in Hoodoo Urban Magic with the name Court Case Root and Little John to Chew, you know it's for winning in court. But it also mentions in that book that it calms your stomach and therefore you can speak and testify in court better because it calms you down. So here we go with the medical uses. Taken as a tea, it is carminative. That means it makes you belch up gas so you don't fart out gas. It reliably combats flatulence, that's gas, dyspepsia, that's upset stomach, vomiting, and nervous stomach. It is also recommended as a remedy for seasickness. If you get that sinking feeling when you're about to go into court, that's why you chew, little John to chew. Powdered, it is used as a snuff for catarrh. In other words, it'll uh, if you have a runny nose. Nervous headache and like complaints. See Hoodoo Urban Root Magic, page 125. If you put these two books side by side, and if you cross-reference, you will know what a real historical root doctor knew back in the 1880s, 90s, 1910s, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, before everyone moved to the city and thought that candle magic was what hoodoo was, before the white people got on the Internet and said that they did hoodoo. This book gives you the other half of the story. This is the story of the medical uses of these roots. People didn't just go out looking for them for magic. They had them in their home for medicine, and they found out what they could do magically, and these lore, as it's called, or legends, as some call it, or the magical uses of plants developed alongside the medical uses. So here they are put back together, and the two books are companions. That's amazing and uh, and aptly named. I I have to – so first of all, I want to make a – everybody listening, prick up your ears. I'm about to make a statement here. I promise you, I promise you, that once I have a a beautiful copy of this book in my sweaty little hands, which is actually a lie, I don't touch books with sweaty hands, uh, I am going to add to the in the kitchen section here. When we go to talk about an herb or a root or a plant in the kitchen, and it appears also in this new book, it's going to be here as well. And I want to tell you why. I want to tell everybody why, and Miss Cat's going to expand on this, I hope, for us. There was a moment in the past when initially, under good intention, and then later, not under so much good intention, the forces that be, the power, the AMA, the patent lawyers, etc., aided in the separation of herbal medicines from regular medicines. And this led to a situation, which I'm hoping Ms. Kat's going to expand on here for us in just a second, that took the root doctor and essentially took the doctor out. Okay, We have a lot of people nowadays who say they do root work and that they are root doctoring, all right? But they're not, okay? They have come to use doctor in a new manner, all right, as an official title, all right, that is divested from an action. 
so not unlike the, the the title professor. Okay, professor simply meant one who professed. All right, and now it's come to mean other things. What Miss Cat has done here with this amazing book is we're putting the doctor back in the root doctor. You see, you this is going to seal up a breach. All right, and not with our English dead. Okay, we're going to seal, help seal up this breach. And I would, I'm hoping, Miss Cat, could you tell us a little more about this division, how it came down, what were, who were the players, when was the year, what, what took place? Well, you know, I could, and and if you want, I could read you actually a little bit from the introduction of the book. Um, you know, and I that would, would kind I would, of explain. I would love you to do that. Please do that. But before you do, let me say this, folks. As I said earlier, <clears throat> I had the wonderful opportunity to help proofread this book. And I'm telling you right now, every page of this book is valuable. You're going to get so much out of this book. This, is, this isn't some puff piece I'm doing here, okay? If I didn't think a book was good, I wouldn't tell you. You're going to get so much value out of this book. And you're going to run out to buy this book and say, I want all this medical information. I want all this information about herbs and how they work and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, there's even some beautiful illustrations of what they look like. And, you know, can I use it as a snuff? Can I use it in a tea? I'm telling you right now, the first part of this book, the introduction of this book, I've read it. And the introduction of this book pays for the book. Everything else is gravy after that. And I'm a Southern boy. You know how we like gravy. Okay. My wife has accused me of that. I would put gravy on a, on a, on a pancake if I thought I could get away with it. All right. This book is paid for in the introduction. So once again, snuggle up real close to your, to your speakers and open up those delicate shell shaped ears of yours because Miss Cat's about to give you a little reading from the introduction to this amazing book, Miss Cat. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It probably would take too long. But I am going to just uh, touch in a, a, a little bit about this. A lot of people say, first of all, ask me, how do you know so much about herbs? Well, I've been doing this for a long time. And many people don't know. I was at one time a staff editor at Organic Gardening Magazine, and I wrote articles for Organic Gardening and Mother Earth News and other things like that. So I do have a background in botany. This is not just a, a passing fancy. Now, I, I, I'm i going to read from page 8 of the introduction, because this is your question, and it's easier to answer it this way. When I was young, herbal pharmacies and occult shops alike sent out beautiful and informative catalogs. These were called order books by most of my southern-born friends. The Illinois Herb Company, Calumet Herbs, Indiana Botanical Garden, Nature's Herb Company, and others provided both medical and magical information about the herbs they sold. You could learn which roots were carminative and stomachic and which roots were lucky curios, and sometimes the same root functioned as both. The lines between medicine and magic were blurred, not only among the customers who used these herbs, but also among the dealers who supplied them. More than one medical herb company had a book department through which they offered esoteric and occult classics like the Sixth and Seventh Books of Moses and the Secrets of the Psalms. The same herb that restored regularity to the bowels might also keep away evil. 
and the reputed love herb might do double duty as a remedy for all female complaints. The sense behind the dual usage of herbs for magic and herbs for medicine goes back to the earliest known writings about herbs. In the classical era, when magic was not sequestered away as something irrational and medicine was not placed on a pedestal as unassailable truth, people did the best they could with what they had. Not only poor people, but all people used herbs for medicine and for magic. I shall not bore you with the history of the Catholic Church and how it outlawed folk magic. I shall also not bore you with the history of how, by overreaching the generally well-intentioned Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906, which made the adulteration of pure herbal drugs illegal, a coalition of pharmaceutical company interests and the American Medical Association brought the entire field of herbal medicine to the brink of extinction. Suffice it to say that the refinement of plant matter into standard-strength white powders and pills patentable, expensive white powders and pills was deemed to be of enough economic value to lead inevitably to the outlawing of certain herbs, a ridiculous conceit, and then to the leveling of threats of imprisonment against any herbalist bold enough to practice medicine without a license. The herb doctors did not go down without resistance. Joseph E. Meyer, known as the herbalist, made more than one impassioned and well-reasoned plea for freedom from governmental interference. He did not consent to be governed, and he resented it when, in the midst of his long and helpful career as an herb doctor, he was faced with legal threats against not only his own livelihood, but an entire way of life in which rural and small-town people provided for their own basic health care using the well-known and well-understood active medicinal principles found in plants. Well, all of that is gone now. The herb doctors lost. The term doctor was stripped from them and only remains as a vestige among African Americans who still call conjure workers root doctors. Cut loose from its great and vital medical basis, hoodoo, especially as practiced in urban areas and among the young in the 21st century, functions primarily as a form of culture-centered magic. Because the 20th century institutionalization of racial segregation kept it under the radar of white authoritarian agencies, hoodoo did not disappear. But because root doctors and herb doctors of all races and cultures were hounded out of business, many practitioners of root work do not really know their roots in either sense of the word. End of reading. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Cat. Now, are you listening? Are you paying attention? Look, we have now had a hundred plus of these episodes. Some of them have just been for fun, for Thanksgiving, Christmas, what have you. But the other 96 have been serious. Uh, we have a nice laugh. We play some fun tunes. But have you been listening? Have you been paying attention? Listen to what Miss Cat is saying here. This is part and parcel of what we have been trying to say here on the Now You Know show. In the books from Lucky Mojo of which this amazing book is but one, throughout the board, on Facebook, in social media, at workshops. This is part of what we've been trying to tell you. You know, 
way back when we had a show here, Miss Cat will probably remember it, where I kind of listed all of these things that, oh, I want to be, I want to be a hoodooist. I want to be a conjure doctor. I want to do this and have my shingle up. And I said, okay, well, here's a list of the things that you're going to have to do. You're going to be a counselor. You're going to be a magician. You're going to have to listen to people's troubles. You're going to have to be a strong arm. You're going to have to do this, that, and the other thing. You have to be a business person. And I said, but wait a minute. I don't, do I have to do all of that? Yeah. Yeah. And the answer is still the same. So here you are tonight. And now I'm giving you a new one. I told you before, but we never got to it. Now I've got an expert right here, right here sitting next to me, in, right here in the studio, pal. I've got an expert, and we're here to tell you, here's your next one. You're going to have to learn about herbology, medical herbology. Are you ever going to use it? I don't know. Maybe you'll choose not to. Maybe you'll choose just to be a sorcerer, a magician. That's fine. That's okay. But think about what Miss Cat just said. Miss Cat just said that this is good. Okay, here's one example. This is good. It drives away evil. It also helps with your bowels. Now stop a minute and consider what that means. Now that you might be laughing, you might go, "Oh, yeah, well, it helps you take a shit, and it's good. Get rid of evil because getting taking a shit's like getting rid of evil." No, 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 no. Think for a moment. If you know your hoodoo, you will know that a lot of tricks laid to harm someone tied up their bowels, tied up their bowels, tied up their ability to defecate or to urinate. Go and study. You'll find these stories. You'll talk to the old people, and they'll tell you. They'll tell you. And he swelled up. He swelled up like a bladder. He swelled up like a water bottle. He swelled up like a balloon because he couldn't go. What do they mean he couldn't go? He couldn't go to the store? Yeah, yeah, right. He couldn't go to the John. See, (laughs) this cat's just giving you You know, I I just got to say, Professor Porterfield, you are so right. And um, I, I actually remember having a conversation with an older a woman, black root worker from Louisiana, and she said, he swole up and died like a hog. Right. <laughs> that's he what she said. swole up and died <laughs> like a hog. And there you go. So you see that we're not talking about different sides of the street. Stop thinking of this as different sides of the street. Somebody else, came, the man came in. And fucking made these two different sides of the street. Right. You're listening that's to right. the now. That's right. You're listening to the Now You Know show with our special guest, Catherine Ironwood. Up next, we're going to touch on the consent to be governed and, <laughs> believe it or not, the sporting life. So sit back, relax. Put on your seatbelt because for the rest of the evening, until we got to go, you are on the road with Mr. Catherine Ironwood and myself. We'll be right back.
why black woman tell the reason why. why? Black woman's evil do things on the fly. No. You look for yourself to be good and hot. Uh-huh. She never put a neck bone in the pot. She's on the road again. She's on the road again. I went to my window, my window was propped. I went to my door, my door was locked. I stepped right back, I shook my head. A big black nigga in my folding bed. I shot through the window, I broke the glass. I never seen a little nigga run so fast. He's on the road again. Lord, I'm not the Bonesman on the road again. He's on the road again. Lord, I'm not the Bonesman on the road again. Your friend come to your house while passing the rest of hat. The next thing you want to know, where's your husband at? He says, I don't know, he's on his way to the den. Come on, mama, let's get on the road again. He's on the road again. Lord, I'm not the Bonesman on the road He's on the road again. Lord, I'm not the Bonesman on the road again. things about that. First of all, Cat, you got the cookie. Uh, Before Troll even got near it, I also want to say that in the chat room, in the future, some of you may be hearing this and you may not have access to the transcription transcription of the the chat room, uh, Miss Cat pointed out that Eastman is an ease man, a pimp, one who lives at ease. Uh, And so, you're now going to... You see how I manipulated that, Miss Cat? I picked your, one of your mm-hmm. favorite songs that I got. Here we go. All right. So you used a phrase there about the herbalist that he did not consent to be governed. Yep. And it's a, it's a remarkable phrase, and it's a phrase that occurs more than once in the introduction to this book. And it's mm-hmm. a phrase that struck me, you know, strongly. And I have to tell you, when I read this introduction, uh, I called Miss Cat immediately after reading the introduction. And I said, oh, my God, this is, this is exactly what we've been talking about, right? Just like I just told you. And I was wondering if you could share with us a little bit about the consent to be governed. Well, again, I could read from the intro or I could just uh, wing it. Which would you prefer? Well, just wing it. Let's just let's just take them on. All let's right. just go loose. Let's go everywhere. Oh, 
All right. Well, uh, I first um, noticed that I was different than other people when I was young. Um, my whole family was different than other families, and uh, my mother, who was a, a German-Jewish immigrant and Holocaust survivor, had a rather bitter point of view about this. She said, they only like us for our minds, and um, and we're like the yeast that rises up the bread, and when, when the bread is all rised, we've made all of the scientific and literary and um, business contributions we can. They put us in the ovens and gas us, quote-unquote. That was my bitter mother. So I found that there was not going to be any help with her trying to figure out why I didn't fit in. Well, in the years since then, I found out I've been diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, autism, whatever, you name it. My father was definitely autistic. I've got an autistic grandson or two. (laughs) It runs in the family. My family is basically eccentric. We're all wacky weirdos. And we, um, we're we all interested, fanatically interested in certain topics, which include magic and botany. Believe it or not, I'm not the first in my family. This goes back to the 1600s that I can measure for sure. So um, I grew up, my mother hands me this book, and it's this book called, um, well, she said, it, it was called Two Little Savages in English. And it, she said, well, here's Roth and Salmon in the Valda, Roth and Salmon in the Woods. You should read this. I read this when I was a child. And it was a book written by a Canadian who moved to New York and became an American, uh, Ernest Thompson Seton. And it was about um, uh, two young boys who decided to live in the woods. The, the, the way of the Native Americans is fading. They're up in southern Canada, upstate New York, kind of an ambiguous area. There's an old Indian guy who teaches them some some tricks. One of the guys is um, absolutely legally blind and um and he wants to be a naturalist but he can't even see across the clearing in the field the other guy is real great can do anything but the the one guy is like i want to know all about the birds but i can't even see the birds so at first he hires his friend and other people to shoot birds and then bring them to him so he can look at them and he thinks that's not that's not really very nice but he draws these little drawings of them anyway it was ernest thompson seaton's story about himself and i became completely addicted to his books. I read them all. He was one of the founders of a of a group called the Woodcraft Indians, which was later absorbed into the paramilitary organization called the Boy Scouts. And anything that the Boy Scouts do that has to do with woodcrafting, wildcrafting, and camping has to do with Ernest Thompson Seton. He was an amazing person. He ended up living in New Mexico. I collected his books. I, 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 I was just, he was an artist like me. He could draw, but only at what he could see at hand's length and he wore giant Coke um, <laughs> thick glasses, uh, Coke bottle bottom glasses. And he was um, he was an amazing uh, in- influence on me. Well, my mother said, well, if you like that book, here, why don't you read The Harvester by Jean Stratton Porter? These were books that had bore from her childhood that had been translated into German. And then I read Laura Ingalls Wilder's books on the little house in the big woods, little house in the prairie, and so forth. And I thought, I don't belong here. I don't belong in this world of concrete that I'm living in. I I got to get away. I got to go. But I thought because I was a teenager, I thought I was um people would say, "Oh, you're nostalgic for a time you never knew. You should be a poet." But I didn't feel like a poet. I was like, "No, no. I actually have to go live in the woods now and learn how to make pancakes with chopped up apples in them." And I mean, I was ready, you know, how to do all that stuff. And but I was always told, oh well, you know, you're just you're just poetic. 
Well, then I began reading comics, and there was a comic book called The Silver Surfer, and it had a line in it, Trapped in a World He Never Made. And yes. this was the tagline. Uh, Stan Lee wrote that. And I, I thought, that's me. I'm trapped in a world I never made. And that's how I would have presented myself at the age of 14 or so, 15, 16. Uh, at 16, I went off to college, and I was an early entrant. I, I, I did real well in tests, and not going to lie, I was, you know, pretty smart. And so they sent me to college at the age of 16. When I got to college, first thing we had to study was John Locke. And um, this was in 1964. And at Shimer College, which was a little liberal arts school in Mount Carroll, Illinois. And we all sat on the floor because we used the Socratic method. And we studied John Locke. And I realized I was not a poet. I had never been a poet. I was not going to be writing fabulous fiction like Gene Stratton Porter nor a memoir of my life in the 1870s like Laura Ingalls Wilder. I was actually someone who had been um, put on earth through the sexual acts of my parents and John Locke explained it all. He said in describing how a government should work, the government should run by the consent of the governed. And I just sat there and my whole world just burst apart because I realized I had never consented to be governed. I had nothing against making rules. I was not a, um, you know, tear it down to the bricks kind of person, but I had not consented to be governed. I had never, no one had ever asked my consent. And I realized that in the absence of my consent, I was free to go. And I First of all, I went to the college administration and I said, I came all the way out here to Illinois to study here at this little liberal arts because I wanted to know about the botany of Illinois. And you're telling me I tested and placed too high to study botany, that I've passed out of your obligatory botany class. I can't even take your botany class. I'm leaving now. Goodbye. And I took off to study hoodoo by going all up and down the country. And I earned my money um, selling marijuana, which was, you know, how I made my money at the time. It's a nice herb, too. But the idea of the consent of the governed was resonated in me. I ended up living on different communes where we, these were anarchist communes. I read um, Josiah Warren's anarchy pamphlets of the 1840s through the 1860s. This guy was amazing. If you ever hear the name Josiah Warren, just check him out. Fantastic. It'll blow your mind and you'll you'll wake up like almost like having a, a Buddhist enlightenment moment, right? Um, also, Pascal Beverly Randolph, he taught all about sex and like sex magic. And I'm like, holy moly. And he was a hoodoo practitioner, too. So I'm like, okay, hoodoo, sex magic, anarchism, got to go, folks. I will not be coming back. And I never have lived in the city again. I just took off. And what I did um, was become what was called a back to the lander or a dirt hippie. I, you know, raised goats and and uh, sheep, and I spun, and I made uh, yarn, and I sold it to other hippies so they could weave. And I did my own weaving, and I uh, we had a horse and a plow, and you know we we did all that stuff. We hauled hay. We just did everything we could to earn a living. And I lived that way for 15 years. And um, I just got to make a little side note. Whenever anybody talks about who is this cat Ironwood. You can check it out. For 15 years, I lived with no running water, no electricity, growing everything as a subsistence farmer. The only reason I stopped was because uh, that marriage broke up, and I was left with a child, 
in the middle of the woods, and I can't drive a car because I have that low vision problem, and I had to make a compromise. So I wrote a letter to a comic book company saying, gee, I remember comic books. It was so fun when I was a kid. They printed my letter. I got three offers of marriage and an offer to work in the comic book industry. (laughs) So (laughs) I went to work in the comic book industry for the next 26 years. But in all of that, I had to interact more and more with the government, you know, pay taxes and things like that. But I never did go back to the city. And what I found out and what I believe and what I think is that there's more to this life. There's more to let's do magic with candles and blah, blah. No, no, no. It's not about getting your boyfriend back. What you need to do is to think about who you are in life and have you consented to be governed and to what degree have you consented to be governed and if you don't consent to be governed, to what extent are you going to maintain and provide for yourself? Okay, My husband drives me around in a car and the car goes on highways. I have consented to be governed to pay the gas tax that goes to build the highways. I've made that. I've given that consent. They didn't ask for it, but I gave it. Okay, I did not consent to send my children into the Army. I did not consent to uh, support the National Football League. I just didn't, and I'm not going to, and I never will. Okay, So you, you have to consider who you are, what you consent to. There's so much more to this than just botany, folks. There's so much more than just botany. So the funny thing, the weird thing about this book. So here I am going on with this Sunray Products company, and I'm reprinting this, and I call up the library in Ogama, Wisconsin, where this book was first published. And this woman named Mary Hebda uh, answers the phone. She's the librarian of Ogama, Wisconsin, a town of 800 people. And my first question was, how do you pronounce Ogama, which I didn't know. And she said, Ogama, it's an Ojibwe word. And I said, oh. What does it mean? And she said, I have it written on the wall. Now, that's a line from an old Chuck Berry song, Memphis. My my uncle took the message and he wrote it on the wall. She goes, hold on, I'm going to carry the phone over to the wall and I'll read it to you. She said, I printed this out and hung it on the wall so we could all be proud of who we are in Ogama. And I said, okay, what's it say? She says, it says, Ogama, a leader who rules by the consent of the governed. That's what... and. That was it. And I realized that this was the right book to be printing. And this was, I'd already written that part of the introduction about the consent of the governed. I didn't go back and retrofit it. This was a sign, and I call it a sign from God. You can call it a sign from heaven, a sign from the universe, synchronicity, Jungian, what the fuck else. I don't know what you want to call it. But when I saw that that's what this was, this book is much more than just botany. This is about how you're going to spend your life. And you need to think about this. You really need to think about this. I'm getting old. I'm going to live to, at least till I'm 90. I promise. I'll live till I'm 90. My mother did and others in her family did. But here's the thing. As I weaken in my strength, i got to pass this on. You all need to wake up right now. This isn't, this isn't like, ooh, I do magic and I'm a sorcerer. This is about your whole life. Okay? End of pontification and an excellent pontification it was and i'm going to add a couple of teaspoons in taking a a line from miss loretta here's the thing you've been listening to this show now for 
two years. You've sent me questions for me, for others. We've had guests come in and talk about books, about ancestors, about all sorts of things. There are people that say, you can only do this sort of work if you're from this family, that family, this person, that person. You can only do this work if this, that, or the other thing. I am about to give you a brand, in case you didn't hear Miss Cat, in case maybe you heard her, but, you know, you didn't get it. I'm going to give you a new thing to tag on. Once again, as I always say, and I mean it, you can write this down on a piece of paper and bring it to me, and I'll sign it. I'll be at the 2017 Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Walk up to me with it on a piece of – Colby, Colby, write it down on a piece of paper. Bring it to me at the festival. I'll sign it. If you want to be a conjure worker, conjure doctor, root doctor, hoodooist, if you want to do this, a part of what you're doing whether you have realized it or not. See, we're getting into dangerous ground now. Whether you have realized it or not is you have made a statement that you have not consented to be governed. Wait a minute. I didn't do that, Professor Burryfield. I didn't consent. I'm fine being governed. No. <clears throat> no, you're not. And I'll tell you why. Because you have clients who come to you in trouble, and they come to you in trouble with the tax man, the policeman, the judge, the county clerk, the list, their boss, the list goes on, and you set your shoulder against the moving wheel, a dangerous place to be, against the moving wheel to aid your client. And in doing that, you are defying the government. You are saying, I do not consent to this. In fact, when your clients come to you and they're just having bad luck, they're not jinxed, they're not cursed, they're just experiencing a run of terrible luck. They need blessing. You go and do that blessing for them. You are saying, I defy the status quo in my client's life. I defy it. I do not consent. I do not consent. I said once on this show that we use the term doctor. This was a year ago. Miss Cat will remember this, I hope. I said, sometimes I think that doctor's not the best word because to me, our work is often like a lawyer in that we become mm-hmm. before. For me, a heavenly court, you can use whatever court you want, court of ancestors, court of whatever, and we plead the cases of our clients. We have made a choice, so prick up your ears, straighten up your back. Seriously, think about this a moment, because if you go forward after today, if you hear this show at any point in your life, and you heard what Miss Cat has to say, and you heard what I'm saying right now, remember Each step you take after this, you are doing so in righteous defiement. You are defying the powers that be, whether it be the powers of government, the powers of a corrupt police system, the powers of racial inequality, the powers of the universe, the powers of other workers who are casting curses. You are acting in righteous defiance. You have made a choice that you at least 
as a worker, a magician, a spiritual worker, <laughs> are not giving consent to be governed. So thank you, Miss Cat, for that. That's, I think that's so important. I, I, boy, do you think they heard us? I, I hope they did. And I'm, I'm going to say something else, too. There are so many people who want to own a piece of hoodoo, and they, you know, they'll do anything they can to claim it as their own. And there are people who um, have a lineage, a folk lineage, a family lineage, a DNA lineage in hoodoo, but they've dropped the ball as well. And I'm ready to call some of them, and I've been very polite, but some of these little um, uh, people who have come up, well, I'm black and I have it in my family, but if you were to say to them, what do you do when the baby's got the colic? And they don't know. Because they say, oh, well, when baby's got the colic, you know, you, you just, you know, give it to the mom and they'll take care of it. No, 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 no. The root doctor, if they're going to call themselves a root doctor, they gonna, they got to know what to give the baby for the colic. By the way, that thing would be dill seed, okay? Uh, otherwise known as gripe water. Griping is an old name for for having a stomach ache. Did you know when people say things like, oh, he was griping, they really mean he was having a stomach ache. They say to people, hey, quit your belly aching. Why do they say that? Belly aching, griping, it's the same word. Okay, so you got to learn what we do and who we are, and it doesn't matter if you're black or white. Some of this work that's in this medicine comes from European sources, and we can hold those ancestors. They knew a lot. And some of it is African, and some of it is Native American, and some of it is probably Chinese as well, because ginseng is in the book. So what we have here is a medical set of prescriptions that can be used by any root doctor, any root doctor anywhere, and you should think about this. Those who have taken my course know there's a chapter in the Who to Root Work Correspondence course about the tendency and I'm going to give away a little secret here that most people only know if they took the course. Most root doctors, when they would make up a tea for you in the day, when I was young, they'd give you a tea. And that tea would almost always contain some herb that would make you sweat. Why would it contain that? Well, sweating is considered the world around to be a good way to rid yourself of toxins and poisons. And so that little herb that would make you sweat would be to drive off cross conditions or um, the you know whatever some people if they had a bigger uh, problem they'd give them a little bit of an herb that had a very slight what's called aperient action that means it would give you an easier bowel movement but it's not a laxative now you mentioned something real important before Charles and that was um, people laughing ha 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 if it if it gets if it's a laxative it gets rid of evil ha 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 uh uh-uh. I want you all to buy Miss Aida's book cursing and crossing in that book there are two chapters one is called cursing with a sweet gum tree and the other one is called cursing with feces these are real curses these are real curses and so definitely if your bowels have been cursed it's a very easy way to curse people curse their bowels especially if you're going to give them something in food right so you need to know how to take that off and how you take that off is medical as well as magical you just can't be lighting a little oh i'm going to light a little blue candle and then all his gas will go away uh uh-uh. uh you got to give him some actual medicine so i'm trying to raise up a generation of people who will actually use uh, herbal medicine 
as part of their herbal magic. In the back of this book, there's a bibliography of books about herbal medicine. You can buy any of these books right now. They're all available online or as used books or new and uh, or reprinted. And I want people to know about how to do that, too. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to say this. This is going to sound a little harsh. This is going to sound like, oh, here he goes again. But I want, listen, seriously, guys. Listen, gang. I'm not just up here. Miss Cat's not just up here. We're not here to just toot our horns or try to aggrandize ourselves. I mean, don't get me wrong. Thank you. That was excellent. Or I appreciate it. That's always lovely. But we're not here trying to make ourselves the big machas of hoodoo or whatever. The reason we say this is because we want to see people get an excellent education to become excellent, not only workers, but people. And here's the harsh part. Mm -hmm. Some of y'all don't know how to thread a fucking needle. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Let me say that again for all the people in the back who might have been running to the kitchen to get a lemon square. Some of you all don't know how to thread a fucking needle. You don't know how to get an egg from a chicken. Some of y'all see a piece of work that says, um, get a black hen's egg. And you go, I've never seen a black egg. Some of y'all see something that says, get black cow milk. And you say, I've never seen black milk. Well, that's because it's not. Okay? Some of y'all don't know how to plant a little plant in the soil and just tend it. I'm not talking about trying, you know, I'm not talking about a bad piece of land here, okay? I'm not talking about like in West Texas where a really good farmer with a lot of diligence and a good portion of rain can raise mud. No. I'm talking about good fertile earth and you can't raise uh, uh, just, you know, like an invasive plant, right? Some of you all can't raise kudzu. All right? Or bamboo. Okay? And those two, like, if you would throw them in the yard, you come back in six months and go, where's the yard? All right? Some of you don't know anything about fermentation. You don't know anything about pickling. You don't know anything about tinctures. You don't know anything about all of these things because you don't need to. I'm going to be honest. I'm not mad at you. You don't need to. You live in this self-contained, ready, set, go world push button this, go to the store, buy it with money. You live in that world, and of course you do. To some extent, to some extent, we all do. But think about what we just said a minute ago. Think about what I just, we, Miss Cat and I just said a minute ago. When you live solely in that world, and I'm not telling you to sell the house. This isn't a cult moment where I want you to be working in the soybean fields as I drive by on my Rolls Royce. No, fuck that shit. The cat would... <laughs> I wouldn't go near antelope if you gave me money, okay? The, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that when you live solely in that world, the world of money, the world of access by money, have the job, go to the job, get the money, have the plastic card that has the invisible money on it, go, buy what you need, never make anything, don't gather that knowledge. Guess what? You've given up your consent. You've given up your consent. That world, you have to keep playing that game to live in that world. And it hurts your fucking hoodoo. It hurts your fucking hoodoo bad. Miss Cat talked to you about gripe. Okay, let me tell you something. To the best of my knowledge, to the best of my research, and I have dug for years on this one, 
I have found that the word goofy, you know, like Walt Disney or he acts goofy, comes <laughs> from goofer. It comes from goofer. In other words, I goofer dust, I put goofer dust on you, I goofered your ass, and of course you acted like you were out of your head, and eventually we get the word goofy. Mm-hmm. These are keys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are keys, and they will open doors for you. And it's not even some old-timey thing. You know, everybody's sitting here going, oh, Christ, I don't want to go and fucking dress like, you know, the Revolutionary War. Oh, God damn, man, how am I going to buy a tent? No. Miss Cat pointed out that some of y'all don't know to give the baby dill. I'm going to go a step further. Some of y'all who don't do shit with herbs, who don't do shit with plants, don't know to turn on a goddamn vacuum cleaner to quiet the colicky baby. <laughs> Especially a vacuum cleaner in the key of D. You can yes. also do well, this by playing songs in the key of D on a guitar. That's right. Also, if you have a it car whose <laughs> engine is in that key, right, right. you can put them in the car and yeah. drive them. That's so right. you see what it, well, you see the point? You know, yeah, go ahead. I do, you know, I do see your point, and and here's the thing, you know, you're you're listening to an old hippie and the son of a graciously middle-aged hippie, and um and and that is a shout out to Gabrielle, um a, another hippie, and um we know this stuff because and when we came up, the last living proponents of these lifestyles were around. There were um, people going out into the countryside trying to gather this material and information in books like the Foxfire books. But the material was also already available through folklore collections, Vance Randolph, you name it. We could just go on and on. Nobel Niles Puckett, Harry Middleton Hyatt, etc., Zora Neale Hurston, on and on and on. All of this material was available. I get dressed down regularly in public. Well, all she knows is this old stuff from Hyatt. No, 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 no. In fact, I've got to tell you something funny. Uh, in, in the Hyatt books, um, th- there's a, a, a woman who was interviewed by Harry Hyatt in the 30s, and her name was Nani, the boss of Algiers. And um, I learned some spells in Oakland, California, from a woman who was from Algiers, a.k.a. the city across the street, from across the river, rather, from New Orleans. And she had taught me these spells, and I mentioned them in my course book, and I mentioned them online. How odd it was. She always kept on saying, if it's a white person, you use white paper. If it's a Latino, you use light brown paper. If it's a a, a dark person, you use a darker uh, shopping bag paper to write a petition. And I would parrot this. You know, she taught it to me, and I believed it. Going through Harry Hyatt's book, I had a revelation uh, in working on Cursing and Crossing with uh, Miss Aida. Nami, the boss of Algiers, was the source of that particular way of working. And I didn't get it from Hyatt's book. I got it from a lady who probably got it from Nani, the boss of Algiers, because uh, he collected that information in 1939. I collected the same information about 1961, 62, 63. So Obviously, it was somebody who had learned from her, and there was her way of working. And what we're looking at, and when we look at hoodoo, is a continuity of regional and local ways of working. Now, it can be people go, well, I don't understand that because we don't see race anymore. But this woman taught that way of working. She taught it to another woman who moved out to Oakland from Louisiana and taught it to me, and I pass it on with a little sense of embarrassment. Oh, well, maybe we're not racial anymore. But that's how it was taught. And 
what is important here is that we do look at our history. Everybody wants to elevate their ancestors. They're going to elevate the ancestors right out the attic, and there won't be no more ancestors in their home. Everybody wants to talk about, my bloodline tells me to do this. And Please, please pay attention to that. Please do pay attention. But if you want to learn what your ancestors really did, you know they did write it down in books. They really did. They told it to folklorists if they were illiterate. My ancestors were writing the Kabbalah books down and publishing them. Like I said, back in the 1600s, that was my family was doing those those books, like Secrets of the Psalms, and we weren't the first. I'm just saying that's what I know as far back. Uh, people have been keeping track of magic, keeping track of folk medicine, keeping track of folk beliefs and folk practices since ever, since the classical days. Check it out. Do your DNA research. Find out who your people really are before you claim someone you're not. And then sit down and learn what your people did and sit down and study it. Otherwise, we will all be living in a video game, first-person shooter, and we will not be having a life on this planet. And one more little throw-out I just got to say to the lady who just told me that her daughter intends to have five children. Uh Uh-uh. Please think about the planet. Please think about these plants and animals that that have to share the space with us. Five children, if everybody had five children, uh, we'd be dead much sooner than we will be. So don't do it. Please limit your reproduction. Please care for the animals. Please, please, I beg you. Just got to say it. Thank you. I have three things to add to that. If if my old little old first of all, this is, we brought up, Miss Cat brought up about Kabbalism. And mm-hmm. where would the ceremonial magicians have been without Miss Cat's ancestors and others writing that down? Don't. Mm-hmm. I say this and people don't know what I mean. And I say this as a Jew. Don't let what happened to us happen to you. When you go out nowadays to study the Kabbalah, there is nary a Jew around, okay? There are some, obviously, but eight-tenths, nine-tenths of anybody who talks about the Kabbalah has no background in Judaism. They could give a fuck about Judaism. They don't care about people or Jewish people or Jewish culture or the struggles of Jewish people. They have done their best to divest Kabbalah from Jews. Now, right now, right now, there are people at work, not like the good shoemaker elves, no, these are more like shoemaker demons, doing imps, Mm -hmm. doing their best to divest hoodoo from black people. Okay? You might think, well, they'll never be able to do it because there are so many, but they'll just never be able to. Well, they did it to fucking us. They did it to fucking us. Some of these motherfuckers who did this got so bold as to say that Jews weren't even Jews. In fact, we British magicians, we Brits, who are doing this great Kabbalistic work now, now that we've got away from those dirty Jews, we are the true Israelites. So they will not just take your magic. They'll take your language your songs, your psalms, your religion, your blood from you if you give them a chance. So there's something to think about there. 
second of all. Miss Cat's right. A lot of people say, well, we're post-racial. Well, we don't see color anymore. All right. If you, you know, I know some people that probably mean that nicely, if a bit naively. I got news for you. The cops still see it. Every time they roll up on a car, the cops still see it. Don't believe me? Hey, we got a little show on Tuesday evening called In the Streets. Why don't you go over and see if you can listen to 30 minutes of that show and tell me I'm wrong. And then mm-hmm. finally, this thing about elevating ancestors. Look, I got news for you. You don't got to go to dead people, okay? I'm not, I'm not shitting on the ancestors. I'm saying there are old people who still have their right minds alive today in the country, in the suburbs, in the city, anywhere you'd like to work. Some of them very lonely because their family are not elevating and taking care of them. Like Candela Cambisa says, you want to elevate the ancestors, but you won't visit your own kin in the nursing home. Okay? And you could go to those people, do nice things for them, not in a Mercurian way, not in a tit-for-tat way, just because to be a nice fucking person, and these people will be happy to tell you all about how to thread a fucking needle, how to churn butter, Mm -hmm. how to plow, how to plant, how to raise chickens, etc. In fact, they will be happy to do for you as a friend what Miss Cat and I and the LMC Network are doing, which is just trying to send out a little signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network, in the vanguard! The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hooter Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Candela's Corner with Candela Canvisa, Michael Carell, and Lady A, Mondays 5 to 7, The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7, On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand and Paige the Firyu, Wednesdays 3 to 4.30, Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Danya, Wednesdays 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All Time Specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Thank you, Troll Talhead Chief Engineer here at the LMC Radio Network for that update of our shows each and every week. Isn't he good? Isn't he good? I like I mean, I I know. I feel bad for him. I really do, you know? Like, as manager of the radio station, I really feel bad for him because I'm constantly just coming to him going, we've got three more shows. Can you do it faster? (laughs) 
like eventually he's going to have to be like in a, a pressurized suit or something, you know, with us just like adding <laughs> oxygen to it so he can do it. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We have many shows for you here on the LMC Radio Network. But up next, here's a little something from me to Miss Cat. I've heard about a lot of people the suffering of the weary blues. So I went amongst the people just to see if I could change their views. So I took them all together and I said, here's what I've come to preach. You know that sadness is a curse. You'll find nothing worse. And here's the way I made my speech. You know who I am with this horn in my hand. Why, I'm that old medicine man for your blues. Oh, I'll make each trouble and care go like a little bubble on air. With my old clarinet, the results I can get. There ain't no troubles yet I can't lose. No, sir. Just trust this old medicine man for your blues. When you're downhearted, what do I do? I bring a smile. Uh-huh. When life makes you sick, my music will make everything seem worthwhile. No, I don't give any pills for your fever and chills, but with my musical thrills, I amuse. Yes, sir. I'm that old medicine man for your blues. Hey, there's some sorrowful note for the love of your soul. When you're feeling downhearted and blue, the thought of a lie bring a tear to your eyes. And I'm just a doctor for you. For I take the silver right out of the cloud, and I mix it with gold from the sun. The colors from out of the rainbow I crowd right into your heart, one by one. Then I take the laughter of children and play, and I mix it with some bluebird song. That's how I make medicine day after day for those who think life is all wrong. The fragrance of wildflowers, the humming of bees, I fit them right where they belong. Mix music with sunshine and sweet melodies. And then I cure the whole world with a song. Oh, I don't give any pills. Oh, your fever and chills. No, no, but with my musical thrills, I amuse. That's why they call me. They call me the medicine man. Oh, your Yes, sir. Aha! Oh, yes, oh, yes. No, no, ladies and gentlemen, that was not Al Jolson. That was not Al Jolson. Influenced, but not. That was none other than Theodore Leopold Friedman, otherwise known as Ted Lewis. 
event that was Ted Lewis and his orchestra with I'm the Medicine Man for the Blues. And I went out and had to dig and hunt for that one just for you, Miss Cat. Oh, thank you so much. That was that was a good one, and I did not get it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would fit in nicely. So we've talked about a lot here, and we've got about, oh, we've got about uh, 14 minutes left in the show. And I want to just touch on something, if I can, and I want to kind of bring this around, because I feel like you have really, you have you really have entertained, educated, and illuminated this night. And I think that what's been said here is tremendously important. And, and I mean, I mean this folks, this is one of, this is one of the most important episodes of the now, you know, show you'll, you'll ever hear. Cause see, you thought you were just going to hear about how a, a wonderful, you thought, you know, Oh, they're just going to talk, talk about No, no, no. You're going to hear about how great that book is, which you have, and now you're also getting all this other information from Miss Cat. See, because again, it's what we've been telling you. These are keys. They open many doors that open to hallways full of other doors. And here are the keys, children. Take the keys. Run through the house. Go. Go into every room. Don't just stay here in the living room. Don't just stay here in the foyer and go. Oh, I love it here. I'm gonna. I'm going to put a, a, a beautiful. I'm going to put my mattress here, and I'm going. There's a whole house. Guys, go, you can fit many, many people in here. So tonight, Miss Cat, when I was prepping for the show, you know, we do these promos uh, to lots of different pages. And we do dozens of shares of, you know, this show and that show. We want to just draw in as many people as we can so everybody can hear all the great stuff on the network. And one of the pages that I shared it to was – the page for the sporting life. Mm. And in the sporting life, I didn't have much room because there's so we wanted to get so much else in there. But I mentioned briefly that the root doctor also was in the sporting life per se after a certain date, which you gave us that date earlier. After this became illegal, right, mm-hmm. there were still some people that kept doing it, right? Mm-hmm. And so in this, you know, in our last 10 minutes or so here, I would like to touch on that a little bit. Can we talk a little bit about how herbal medicine was used as contraceptives, how herbal medicine was used for people that couldn't afford a doctor or dare not go to a doctor because of some consequence, which the consequence might simply have been that they were the wrong color? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd be glad to touch on that. Um, In this book, uh, this amazing book, I added uh, something at the beginning, which was a a medical dictionary. And the reason I did that was I know from experience the people who cannot thread a needle um, certainly don't know what the word Qatar means, nor do they know what female complaints means. To them, female complaints may mean, ah, my wife's a nag. Uh-uh. Female complaints mean a whole series of symptoms that women would have in their urogenital organs. And the herbs that might help would be good for female complaints. 
there was a a lot of polite uh, talk back in the day about suppression of menses. Suppression of menses means you missed your period, right? So people would take a an herb such as black cohosh, uh, aka a um, well, there's a various other names for it, but you know you can you can call it what you want to. Black cohosh is one of its names, also called black snake root, bugbane, rattlesnake root. And you could take black cohosh for suppression of menses. Now, what does that mean? Um, it is also a parturition accelerator. Well, what does that mean? Parturition means childbirth. Accelerator means you expel the baby faster. It accelerates labor. Oh, it's going to bring on cramps. Oh, it's good for female complaints, such as suppression of menses. Why? It'll give you an abortion. But if you take it when you're pregnant and about to deliver, it'll speed up your labor. And you have to dose yourself very carefully because it's a dangerous herbal drug. So back in the day, there, the herb doctors knew how to regulate suppression of menses. In other words, how to give you an herbal abortion. And there were many methods used, and they all became illegal as hell and are still illegal as hell, but a good granny doctor knows how to do that. A good yarb doctor knows how to do that, white or black. A good root doctor knows how to do that. A good hoodoo lady knows how to do that. And when we talk about this, um, I remember one old book that said, this herb, meaning black cohosh, is good for suppression of menses, but should not be used to suppress menses illegitimately. Meaning, don't use it for abortions, please, please. That person didn't want you to. So we have these roots and herbs, and that's just one of, of a number of them, that are used for, um, oh, another thing is galit. Everyone goes, what's galit? I mean, what a weird word. It's just G-L-E-E-T, galit. Well, galit is a urethral drippage, more often noticed in men than in women, Um but it is found in women too. It is a byproduct of gonorrhea. Chickens can get gleet, and so can sheep and goats. It means they have a sexually transmitted disease, and it has taken hold in their urogenital tract, and it's causing drippage of of goo, glick, ick, gleet coming out of their little pisser. Women don't have it as much because they also have regular female discharges, which kind of hide the gleet. So if you look in this book, you'll find herbs that are good for gleet, right? That doesn't mean you should not take an antibiotic because antibiotics are actually more effective for some things. But in this book, we, we talk a lot about the hidden aspects of medicine that were things that you know, you couldn't go to a doctor and ask for an abortion, but you could go to the granny doctor or to the root woman, and she would give you um, a, a, an herb to fix you up so you could, you know, stretch your stuff. And this kind of work has always been carried on privately. There are always people who don't like it. But when Harry Hyatt interviewed 1,605 black root workers, he asked a number of the professionals, do you ever deal with or treat white women? Or white people, he would say. And a lot of the women would say, oh, yes, white ladies come to me all the time. And then he would ask, do white men come to you? Oh, no, 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 just the white ladies. And what the woman was telling Harry Hyatt was, I perform abortions. But she just, you know, didn't say that. 
So this type of work has gone undercover. It is undercover, just as magic is undercover. But there is stuff that can be done. I do recommend people use antivirals and antibiotics, antibacterials, when necessary. Do not think that I am trying to promote that only herbs will cure you or that you should never use a genetically modified um, uh, medicines or modern viral and antiviral and antibacterial medicines. I do not say that, but there are facts that need to be expressed, which is that those drugs were developed mostly out of plant chemistry to begin with. Quite true. And also Quite in, the, true. In, in the chat room, uh, Troll just said in the chat room, he uh, he just mentioned midwives, etc. That's for sure. You know, uh, uh, back in the 90s, uh, when I first went online with some of this, a lady called me up, African-American woman. She called me up and she said, blah, blah, do you know Miss So-and-so? And she named the name. I have it written down somewhere. And some woman in some state in the south. I don't remember. It was... Um, Oh, it could have been Tennessee, it could have been Alabama, Arkansas. She goes, did you ever hear this root root lady so-and-so? And And I said, no, I I never have. And and I hadn't. You know, you don't hear about everybody in the world. And she said, well, let me tell you about her. And I I said, okay. She goes, well, you know, she had the greenest lawn in town. And I said, "Uh, excuse me? (laughs) What does that mean? I thought she was referring to the woman had more money than other people. She had the greenest lawn in town. And she said, do you know how she got that green lawn? And I said, no, ma'am, I, I don't. She goes, well, you know, if you had trouble, you could go to Miss So-and-so, and she would take care of your trouble, and you'd have to stay at her house for three to five days, and your trouble would be gone, and she would bury it under the front lawn. And she had the greenest lawn in town because of the fertilizer of those fetuses. Honest to God, this woman told me, this was an old woman who told me this. And she and she, I said to her, did you ever use her service? She goes, of course I did, more than once. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I have to tell you that uh, you correctly identified earlier that I am the son of a hippie. And mm-hmm. I, I, I want to tell everybody, this is for posterity here, folks. My mother has had four sons. She always wanted a girl. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, we had other ideas. Mm -hmm. Four sons. And her first son, myself, she had in a hospital. And the experience of giving birth in a hospital in the, you know, mid-60s was so horrible that my mother said, never again. Never again. My mother never consented (laughs) to be governed (laughs) by a hospital for the birth of her children again. And all three of my younger brothers were born at home. And Mm -hmm. sometimes with a midwife, sometimes not. Sometimes mom and, you know, my brother's father. That was it. And they, that, that was how my brothers came into the world. So a, a lot of people have had these kinds of experiences where they say, not going to do that anymore. I'm just not. I'm going to make my own path. And I think that what you just said to everybody is very important. Let's say it again. Miss Cat is not telling you that herbs are going to solve every medical problem that you never, ever should take. You know, pharmacologically based medicines that you should never, ever again do that. That's not what's being said. And I'm going to take it a step further. It would be nice. I mean, it'd be great 
if you've already, you know, decided to add some of this to your lives. But for a variety of reasons, and sometimes I will admit fear is one of those reasons. Because remember, part of the way your consent is gotten from you is by fear. People never mm-hmm. will. Okay, mm-hmm. that's fine. But at least go and study it. At least go and learn it. Because it's going to make you, why are we listening to the Now You Know show? It's going to make you a better hoodoo worker. Because you're going to start to understand how these things go together. It's being torn off into little tiny packages, little tiny boxes. And people are saying, oh, these boxes don't interrelate. And yes, they do. Mm-hmm. So go back and study it. Miss Cat. I yes. want to thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. And my final word will be the easiest experiment you can try. Go get some willow bark, boil it up, and see if it works for you as aspirin. It will. That's right. Willow bark. Uh, it's just starting willow bark. Okay. A salicylic acid comes from willow bark, has for generations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I honestly, Miss Cat, I think this has been one of our best shows. I, I, if if after this they don't get it, I don't know what to do. You know, like get a sandwich mm-hmm. board and go stand on the corner <laughs> with a bell or something. So, folks, you have been listening to the Now You Know Show with our guest, Miss Catherine Ironwood, here to talk about this amazing book, which will be premiering at this year's 2017 10th Annual Hoodoo Heritage Festival, brought to you by the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church and Miss Robin York. If you have a chance, please come out and see us. We would love to have you where there with us. We would love to have you there with us from the beginning of the festival all the way to the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning.
Oh. 